Sorry, ben, ben wants to make a great uh, entrance. So when he walks in, I think we all have to give him a, a round of applause. You can start the questions. I can start the questions. So the product tanker sector is uh, really not only live and kicking, but more than that. I think if, if uh, we're still talking about this a year from now, we probably shouldn't come back. So Why? Because <laughs> it should be really good. It is already getting very good. So yeah. I think here we have four happy campers, I think I can. Well, there used to be a lot of consolidation in the product market, right? And we're down to four. <laughs> <laughs> Who's next? I don't know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I saw Ben earlier. But, uh, yeah, he, he was in a meeting. Uh, okay. But I think we have all been discussing about uh, the market uh, turning around, turning around, and every time we were talking about it, the, the best statement I heard was, we are a day closer to the turnaround. Here is Ben. So I, there you go, Ben. <laughs> I, I apologize. I knew Robert was going to be here, so I thought I had plenty of time. but. Uh, <laughs> I tried. <laughs> well, um, let me uh, catch my breath for a second here. And I, again, I do apologize. I lost track of time. Um, but let's see. I, you know, I, I think in these uh, in these kind of things, well, we'll just everyone can get uh, off on the right footing. I think it's probably fair to say that everyone who would be on this panel. Uh, is more than likely bullish on the outlook for the product tanker space. If you disagree, please raise your hand. Yeah, I've never had anybody disagree. Oh, oh, I, kn I knew it, I knew it. All right, what's, uh, what's your rationale for uh, not being bullish on the product? I'm not, not bullish, I'm just not just bullish. I mean, we're extremely bullish on the panel. Oh, I understand. <laughs> I, I should have clarified. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, I, and I think, and, and frankly, I, I, uh, I would put myself in that same camp of being not just bullish, but, uh, but very bullish, although I, as an analyst, I've come to learn that I'm wrong more often than I'm right. But um, the, uh, so, the, and, and the reasons are plentiful. Uh, obviously, we have IMO, and, and we'll touch on a few of those at the moment, but um, I, I think one, one interesting aspect that uh, w let's work under the assumption that we're all right and that the market's going to be fantastic. Uh, could we maybe just start with, you, got, you guys are all part of uh, public product tanker companies. Why doesn't the market care that things are so fantastic? Does anybody, maybe I'm the person to be answering that question, but does anybody have a, have an, a reason why uh, you're trading at discounts to NAVs, and, and people just don't seem to recognize the fantastic opportunity that is. Uh, oh, first happened. of all, it's normal. Every time in the last, the last two major <coughs> bull cycles have been 2003, started then, and ended around 2008. And 1980, middle of 1984, ending in 1990, and both of those periods, the stocks started off in the same position, that they were trading significantly under NEV, like most of the, trades, most of the product tanker companies are trading about 50% below NEV at the moment. And this happened in both of those two cycles. And it's as a result of, you know, 
whether it's Peter cried wolf or people just give up or they never think it's going to come or they're too hurt. But whatever it is, the, none of the companies on this panel or the market itself have done anything other than disappoint for about 11 years now. And that's what the market's been in. The market's been in a bear market for 10, 11 years. So what creates the conditions for a super bull market is what we have at the moment, which is tremendous pessimism from the investment community, exhaustion from the investment community, combined with lack of real free cash in the, in the uh, companies. The debt side also is constrained. The shipbuilding is constrained. So you, you've actually got a 20-year low in shipbuilding orders. So everything is at its bottom position. So this is, this is quite normal, and I think this is also part of the aspect of what gives the people, I think, on this panel that confidence is because we're looking forward to not just a period of great demand growth, but the supply side is, is very constrained at the moment in the product side. Right. Ben, if I, I mean, last year, exactly a year ago, we were here, and uh, again, we were very optimistic uh, on the market, and uh, 2018 was one of the worst markets for product tankers, so uh, that's the reason we're four today and not six, <laughs> like last year, but uh, um, we need to, uh, investors need to see the upside. They're a bit tired of words, I think, and they need to see the upside. What Robert's saying is he's very, it's very true. I think Q3, Q4, we will see a totally different. We're already seeing a different market for product tankers, better market, but Q3, Q4 is a really a changer, game changer for product tankers, and then we'll see a sustainable recovery. And this is what investors need to see in order to get back to our stocks and therefore create value for us as well. Yeah, uh, I would like to add that uh, also uh, for some uh, for some owners, uh, operators, uh, balance sheets are, are quite stretched after so many bad years, and uh, I imagine that uh, some discounts could potentially reflect the fears that the of future dilutive capital increases if the markets don't show the results uh, that are needed to 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 then uh, have uh, finally healthier balance sheets. So. Uh, and that, that, that is also potentially a, a reason. So I'm thinking of a movie analogy. So, uh, you know, I think we've all been, um, you know, watching Field of Dreams, but I think uh, now it's Jerry Maguire. Show, yeah. show me the money, money, right? Show me the money, show us the results, get a couple quarters under your belt, and then we'll start believing. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. You know, that's, that's what we're in business to do. Yeah. So I, I would uh, I would agree with all those sentiments. Although I, I, speaking from the perspective of somebody who is, um, you know, talking to many investors all the time, I think another one of the concerns is that uh, the ship owning community has this tremendous p propensity for shooting itself in the foot, and when given the opportunity and the capital availability to participate in an up market, there's no capital discipline, and so it's for a lot of people I think just something that has now been carved into this uh, category of uninvestable. Um, yeah, but that's, that's, that's just a stupid excuse. I mean, that, that's, the, that's the same that we heard in 1984-85, same as we heard in 2003. Of course we won't change as an industry. Of course we will shoot ourselves in the foot in the future. But right now, 
the, the 11 years of a terrible market, the gun's been taken away from us. It's impossible for us to shoot ourselves in the foot right now. You have to have a, a, a sustained period of, of market improvement and revenues and stocks trading as premiums to NAV and a capital market that's functioning not just from the equity side but from the debt side too to get to the point again where you know, we're going to shoot ourselves in the foot. Of course, I haven't changed. I mean, 20 years ago I said that you know, we're little children, we'll never grow up. And if you keep feeding us candy, we will be sick and you guys will have to clear the mess up. That will happen again. It's just not going to happen for a little while right now. Right. So it's about to be Halloween then, I guess. Eh? <laughs> so, uh, I, I, although I do, I, I don't, we'll see. But uh, I can't so, imagine. So, so I'm not going to invest because I'm so worried that the stocks will get to a point where they'll earn so much money and there'll be so much free capital involved and the stocks would have gone so much up that they'll be able to once again order ships. Is that the I, reason? I, 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 so here is, again, uh, something that I heard from the LNG market uh, six months ago. LNG rates were almost $200,000 a day and the stocks were a little better but not a lot better. And the reason was, people said, if I give them too much money, and we're already seeing a lot of ordering, uh, you know, I can't invest in this for a few years. Like, I, I have to, I don't want to be the last guy putting a, the last dollar in. Uh, and I think, broadly speaking, and, and, and I totally think that you could be right, Robert, uh, but broadly speaking, I think there is this, uh, uh, there's this fear uh, within the capital markets in particular of, you know, not just an unwillingness to chase uh, within the, the broader shipping community. And maybe that does create the perfect opportunity, right? The, this panacea effect where there's no capital availability, demand exceeds supply, and there's nothing that can be done about it. But, but this is what, this is so typical of a, of a market at this point. That's exactly what happened in the last cycles. Yeah. And then you get technicals. You get companies breaking 200-day moving averages. You get little things that come in and you also have I think in all of our stocks here I mean we've met in the last four or five weeks so many new investors we met so many old friends that haven't invested in shipping since 2007 you're meeting generalists now that just you know look around they made loads of money in tech and are working out how long they can continue to pay 50 times revenue for you know, yeah. for tech companies. Well, and I agree, and I think that is something that in part is a function of, uh, of IMO 2020. Uh, and I think I, I get calls constantly from people saying, hey, I'm a generalist, I don't know the first thing about, I don't even know what IMO stands for, but I've heard that this is a really big deal, and I've heard that product tankers are the way to play it, and I think that is, is something that, uh, well, it, I agree with, but, but also is now beginning to generate more interest in the space uh, than, than say, if, you know, you know, another area, containers or something that, that might just be a uh, more gradual, natural recovery. 
Yeah, I, I can confirm that. Uh, we, we have met uh, over the last few weeks quite a lot of investors, not so much in the US, but uh, uh, in Europe, uh, in London, and uh, in Italy, and Milan. And uh, for once, I was impressed because I came out of some meetings and the investors uh, were, in some cases, more bullish than we were. And, and we are bullish. So, and, uh, and that, uh, that, uh, that surprised me. And uh, often, they were investors who were very knowledgeable about energy, not necessarily about shipping. And they understood very well the refining world. So they, they understood the implications of IMO 2020 for our industry. Uh, and, uh, you know, we try to understand the refining world. It's a very complicated world, but it is uh, the world which we are very linked to. And, uh, and, uh, and as, as one investor told us, I mean, if you don't earn, earn money over the next two, three years, forget about shipping. I mean, because, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, you, 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 are going, you have to do well. I mean, uh, and another investor said, you know, we said, I think we're going to have two, three good years. And he told us, no, I think you're going to have a super cycle. I think you're going to have a super cycle because now you're going to benefit from IMO 2020 for the next two, three years. Um, but then after that, you're going to have the vessels that were built in the last super cycle from 2003 to 2008, they're going to start to become 20-year-old vessels. So you're going to have a much healthier market on the, on the supply side, I, I th uh, I think, potentially. I think this is super important what he's saying. I mean, we went to a refinery conference the other week. And we're having a one-on-one, -on -one and the, the, these, this, these two people came in, and they knew the demand side. They didn't need to go through the demand chart. And this person said, before we invest in you, we just have one question. How are you going to cope with all of the demand for your vessels and the increase in cash flows that are going to come? That's an easy answer, right? I mean, it's something I'd never prepared for, right? I mean, you know, you almost wish, like, say, I don't know, have you got any ideas? I mean, it, that's kind of stunning. Yeah. Well, uh, to that end, and, and I agree, I mean, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see how big of an impact the, uh, the IMO 2020 has uh, on the product tank market more broadly. But... And, and I think it's to be determined, uh, certainly will be positive. But out of curiosity, uh, have, have any of you guys seen any, uh, any changes today? Are, are you doing anything right now that is maybe a precursor of, uh, of what might, we might see in the back half of the year? Yeah, three things. We're having pretty adult conversations with customers when it comes to contracts at market. They're really quite detailed contracts on logistics, et cetera, which tells us they seriously believe that the market's going to be you know, tighter. The second aspect is that you know, we're seeing them wanting to pay up into the you know, later positions and go long. And you know, we have already conducted the very beginnings of, of voyages with the low sulfur fuel, just the very beginnings and starts of that. Have any of you seen any voyages or anything that you can... Yeah, no, w what we have seen is a lot of interest on period contracts from uh, oil majors and the large trading companies. Uh, and uh, in December, we fixed uh, a number of vessels at very attractive rates. 
uh, attractive relative to the recent history, of course. But uh, what we expect is that these period rates will continue rising because there's a lot of interest and owners are quite reluctant to give uh, vessels on period right now because uh, they seem to be uh, unanimously bullish about, about the sector. So mm. the, the charters will have to pay up and there are a lot of charters who are short tonnage and, uh, and that need to, to cover at least part of their needs with mm. period contracts. I'm not sure I want to say very much because our stock is up <laughs> over 6% today. So <laughs> anything I say could work against us. But joking aside, um, I think what's interesting is what we're not seeing right now. So we're going through very heavy turnaround periods in the U.S. Gulf and then uh, soon to be in Europe, um, you know, with refineries going into extended maintenance to make sure that they can run as, as hard and fast as they possibly can next year or from, from mid-year to fully benefit um, and also to, you know, probably a lot of upgrades to... Uh, uh, take full advantage of or mitigate the, the, the you know, the, the downside for them um, when the fuel switch happens. Um, and so in spite of that, what we're not seeing um, is a weak rate environment. I mean, uh, MR rates are up in the mid-teens. Um, we thought they would be quite a bit weaker by now for that reason, because we're in a lull period before everything really kicks in. And I think that speaks to the fundamentals in our business are quite strong. And I think if you look at the dem underlying demand growth, it's driven largely by uh, oil consumption growth which is very strong. Um, you match that with uh, continued and really this year record refinery expansion, mostly in kind of trading oriented locations. Um, so, you know, the, so the underlying demand fundamentals are strong. What we've been dealing with in the last three years is, um, is the negative effects of oil market dynamics as we've run off all the inventory and gone through a very, you know, fairly low uh, volatility period. So, um, you know, now um, we're, we think in a similar lull period that could end fairly quickly mid-year, and uh, we think that that bodes well. And then if you just, you know, again, recap on the supply side, um, you know, across the product tanker sector now, but MRs in particular, the demand gro supply growth for this year, net fleet growth should be 1%, maybe a little less, not a lot more next year. So it's really a perfect confluence of, you know, strong fundamentals and what we think is going to be a very positive oil market dynamic. What we're not seeing right now are weak rates that we thought we'd see. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's assume that IMO 2020 has no significant impact on the market. Uh, the fundamentals look good. I mean, it's a balanced market. Supply and demand are balanced. Um, growth in demand is projected 3% uh, this year and uh, next year. So um, even if nothing happens for IMO 2020, we still have a balanced market, and um, um, we have new refinery capacity kicking in. Uh, substantial refining capacity out of the Middle East and China, and um, so things look good uh, um, overall. So, so, uh, and I, I, I talked to you, Tony. I guess it was last week or two weeks ago. We, we as you said, we were kind of in an interesting time. March is not usually a period of strength for the product tanker market, but this March it was, and then that was despite the fact that you had relatively heavy refinery turnarounds and. Uh, the crew tanker market has been abysmal, and you very rarely, at least for an extended period of time, see those two decouple. Um, and, and, and so I wrote a note saying, hey, maybe something is going on here. Maybe there is some early IMO uh, uh, implementations or something. And I did. I got from a handful of uh, um, uh, charter, well, uh, um, brokers, freight brokers, they came back and said, ah, 
don't get too excited. Things are not as good as they look. I don't know. What do you say to that? What would you say to somebody who said that? You're out over your skis. Don't don't believe I, what you say. I, th I think it. I think we're we're seeing you know underlying fundamental strength, and the party hasn't started yet. That's what I think we're seeing. I think. I mean, I don't really understand that comment. You, you've seen a consistent increase in forward time charter rates for months. Yeah. That's one. Since. Nobody thought November was going to be as strong as it was. Nobody thought December was going to, I mean, I'm talking even about us on the panel here. None of, none of us thought that December would be as strong as it was. When we got to December in our analyst meeting, everybody thought that January was just going to fall off a cliff. It just got stronger. If January was going to fall off a cliff, it was going to be February. Right. And then, well, okay, February might be okay, but you know what? Refinery is going to be extended turnaround, and you're just going to get destroyed when it comes to March. Right. I mean, I know we're pretty close to the end of, you know, we're approaching that, that finishing point to the yeah. extended refinery turnarounds. And as he said, the demand has been steadily moving up, and that nothing's happened anymore. It looks pretty good. And the charterers are telling you that. There's so many charterers have taken tonnage in, the length in their books, way more than any of you guys know or the analysts know because they're not reporting the length that they've got at the moment because mm. they keep piling it on. Can I also ask, you know, is it really important that people believe it or don't believe it? It takes <coughs> two to make a market, right? Yeah, so, no, but, al you know, but also, you know, the, you know we're, we're pretty positive about things and, uh, you know, investors can make their own decisions. Yeah. You know. To that end, I mean, uh, let's take a much more short-term it, approach. It, it's way more bullish that the stocks are trading like crap right now. Are you and another three, four months of, of capital markets shut, the stocks yeah. can go up 30 40%. But if the, these capital markets are shut, which it looks as if they're going to be, you know, you're going to take out 2020 straight away, 2021, and now you're really, really going to extend anything that you're afraid of, you're going to have a very strong period at that point. Which uh, is probably the best case scenario, right? You, mm. if, if I'm one of you guys on the table here, yeah, if the stocks don't do anything for six months, well, that's fine, right? Uh, it's so much better for us to have a strong fit, you know, to wake up every morning and, uh, and we're getting cash into the company than to have our stocks trade well. And if <clears throat> if the market goes, let's say, for MRs to 25,000 a day, and we're generally going to cash flow, and the <clears throat> stock price doesn't, you know, reflect that, then we also know what to do. Right. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Um, so um, let me. Uh, I, I want to leave a little bit of time for questions, uh, but what one? Uh, let's say two last questions on my end. Um, there. Uh, all well, pretty much. I think everybody here is is a product pure play. Um, at what point does the pure play thing as a function of price to nav or whatever just not seem to make any sense anymore? Um, or, or will it always make more sense? I don't know. Any, any thoughts? Does it make sense to own chemical tankers? Tony, you have a couple of chemical tankers. LPG, crews, whatever. Uh, just to start off, I, you know, I think, um, you know, there's this perception and maybe it's more historical that the product tanker sector is quite small and a you know, the less interesting um, kind of younger cousin to the crude business. But in reality, MRs alone represent one-third of the world tanker fleet by number of ships. <clears throat> so it's, a, it's by far the largest sector. And so, 
you know, quote unquote, pure play. I mean, I think that's, you know, kind of more uh, kind of an investor oriented, you know, concept. Uh, but from a business standpoint, we're perfectly happy to be refining our focus only on one third of the world tanker fleet. I mean, that's a big, big sandbox, right? So, you know, when it comes to chemicals, I guess ours are simpler coated ships and, and we view that, uh, you know, there's a very significant convergence happening between products and chemicals and, you know, it's that crossover um, um, area which we find very interesting, you know, with easy chemicals and veg oils and things. So it's, you know, it's probably emerging into one big market and we don't really think that our chemical tankers trade much differently than the MRs. What is, I mean, what is your view? I mean, you, you talk to most <laughs> investors and you should know better. What is that? It's not my show. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, think, I think there is, and, and maybe it's a function of a, uh, a somewhat downtrodden market, but I think that there is demand for bigger companies. Uh, pure play. Well, pure play or not, I think uh, that, you know, I go into, I go into a meeting and somebody looks at the list of 30 different companies that I cover and say, okay, here are the only three that I can talk to you about. Uh, what do you say after that, right? Um, but, but, but so, I mean, th historically, I mean, there, there are at least seven, eight, nine, ten private, you know, private shipping people who have personal balance sheets that are way in excess of all our market caps put together. And every one of them are diversified. So we're only in silos due to the investor convenience, I think, at the moment. Yeah. The thought that in that last cycle you had pure plays that was easier for a hedge fund because they were the masters of the universe, remember? How they could then go long, short one particular sector or down a particular sector. I mean, I think that, you know, Sting is, is concentrating on the products because, you know, that provides the best value there is at the moment in the market. We've already in a sister company, which was Dry Cargo, felt last October that the product tanker market provided a better opportunity than the bulk market did in that, that time. So use that cash to buy into the products. Yeah. And yes, everything, you know, we're all, the same, nothing has changed. In the 1980s, yeah. I was talking about lack of market cap, the same in 2000. Yeah. Well, I, I have another one, but I'm going to go ahead. We only have two and a half minutes left. So are there any questions uh, from the audience that is, are just absolutely pressing and hopefully funny? No? Pressure's on. Oh, oh there's one in it. Uh, yeah, just yell it out. I'll repeat it. How's that? Oh, yeah. She's, she's making her way. I can still repeat it, though, if you want. Thank you. Um, I'm John Korn from SeaWorld. Um, the average age of our fleet is 15 years of age. And just last week, I was getting requests from big chartering or trading houses for a year and a half to two years time charter, which is very rare, I think, for uh, an owner of a 15-year-old ship to get that sort of a call, which is a good sign. Um, but I hear in the refinery and production space, terminals are going to start limiting the age of vessels that can call more and more. How long do you think it takes for that community to start limiting to 10 years? I've heard several saying 10 years next year. Um, 
basically how long until the 15-year-old gets aged out completely, if at all. Of clean petroleum products? Soon. There, I mean, uh, most of the terminals don't take clean petroleum products at plus 15. But the market's dirty petroleum products, well, you know, they'll take them for much longer. Environmental regulations are just going to continue to get tougher and tougher and tougher. They're not going to turn them back. So we've had experience trading ships over 15 years of age in this recent tough market, and it's not easy. Um, so uh, you also have to spend a lot of money on them to maintain the standard. Uh, so it, 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 is, it is problematic. However, when you get into a strong market, the oil companies seem to you know, be willing to ease up a little bit. <laughs> But I think uh, it's, it's certainly absent that factor. It's not going to get any easier. Um, but I'm not aware of any limitations, you know, serious limitations of younger than 15. Is, is anybody aware of anything less? Uh -huh. You know, it might, might be for, let's say, longer TC or something. Like, if you, you know, an oil major wants to take a ship in on, uh, you know, three-year TC, they're probably not going to choose a 12-year-old ship. But right. uh, generally, it's, um, it's a good sign that uh, charters are taking older vessels under, considering that IMO 2020 is coming and we will see substantially higher prices in bank area prices, especially for low sulfur. So it's a good indication that charters are not uh, very <coughs> adamant in taking uh, uh, scrubber-fitted vessels, but they will look at older tonnage with uh, higher consumptions, and that's a good sign. I, I think, so, you know, all joking apart, the, the place I would start is with these refiners, is, is look at what they're doing and look at what the traders are doing. The traders are lengthening their books to the market one way or another, whether they're taking his ships in, whether they're phoning him up. Either way, they're saying they think the market will get stronger going forward. That the CFOs and the CEOs in the investor relations conference after conference are talking about the expected demand that they're going to have. At this conference, Scorpio Tankers had a section on what we thought demand for product growth is gonna be this year and next year. And we were pretty similar to what you have said, pretty similar to what Anthony's got on his website. And after listening to the first, we were gonna go in the afternoon and we heard the first two guys from the refiners go up in the morning and we just deleted our entire demand section because it was just ridiculous. I mean, it was like, you know, these guys are, these guys are telling our story better than we could ever tell it at the moment. And there's a real difference between meetings that we have with shareholders who are kind of punch drunk from shipping and people who are investing in the refinery space at the moment. So I'm out of time, but one last one, one word question. A year ago from now, hopefully we'll all be back here. Real fast. <laughs> we'll hopefully all be back here. What will MR rates be one year from now? Tony. Fast. 22,000. 22. I'll go with that. That's fine for me. Okay. I'll, I'll go region 20. <laughs> 20, okay. Not half as interesting as where LR2 is. Okay, LR2 <laughs> is fine. Okay. All right, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you.